0: Hey, welcome back for another episode of the Mad Max novelization. My name is Jeff. I'm Mad Jeff. That doesn't roll off the tongue the way that I hope it would. But nevertheless, I digress. Um, So, you know, we're reading the novelization. You know, you already know what's going to happen because it's, you know, it's based on the movie. It's based on the movie screenplay. What we're taking in here are all of the wonderful little flourishes, all the little backstory, all the little nuance that was left on the page and out of the movie, uh, giving us a, a deeper and better understanding about Mad Max. And where we last left off, we just met the toe cutter, as well as got a introduction as to what exactly the bronze are, the breaker squad that Max is a part of what kind of world uh, this is all taking place in, and some of the games that the toe cutter was playing in the movie. We didn't even know that this is what he was doing in the movie, yet he was doing it. So let's continue on and uh, read more about what uh, what went down with the toe cutter and see if we can get any sort of uh, better light shed on this scene from the movie let's pull up the book we got the book right here and i will do my best to read without stumbling i thought i did a pretty good job last time hopefully i didn't just jinx myself just now by saying that 60 miles down the road roop and charlie had also heard the all points broadcast remember roop and charlie are the two other dudes one of them he gets his throat cut And he has to talk with a box like this. Prep him. It's funny. In the American dub, they never dub over his uh, modulated voice. So he sounds Australian when he talks with his box while everybody else has an American accent. So that's Charlie. And Roop is the heavyset guy. Um, Roop and Charlie had also heard the all points broadcast. Charlie had been asleep in the back seat of the car when the first part of the message had crackled across his radio. Roop had been settled for half an hour behind a tree stump 60 or 70 yards away holding a high powered rifle with a massive telescopic sight to his shoulder. At first, he had cracked off a few careless shots at a couple of crows that had come within range. Then Across the valley, he saw a late model sedan bump its way down a rarely used side road. He picked it up through his sight, carefully making adjustments until he had it razor razor sharp in the lens and saw with mounting interest that the car contained a teenage couple. Slowly, the car pulled to a stop and he saw the boy get out of the driver's seat, carrying a traveling rug while the girl wearing a pretty, off the shoulder sun frock quickly stooped through her door and ran round the front of the car to link her arm around his they scrambled off down the road kicking up a shower of rocks and dust as they made their way to what had once been a carefully tended paddock and climbed over a low stone wall. Roop tracked them through his sight, enjoying the exercise m- more as he saw the girl's long sun-tanned legs and large breasts. Once over the wall, the guy looked back towards the road where he had left his car, obviously satisfied with himself, that they couldn't be seen by any passing traffic and spread the rug on the ground. Quickly, he took off his shirt, kicked off the shoes, and putting his arms around the girl, pulled her down on the rug with him. Root crouched, muscles alert, eyes straining, and the barrel of the rifle held firmly on the tree stump. To his annoyance, it was difficult to see exactly what was going on through the tangle of legs and arms. But after several minutes, he saw the white triangle of the girl's panties as the guy hoisted up her dress round her waist. After several more minutes of groping, he saw them disentangle themselves and stand up. The girl put on the girl put her hands around her neck and shook out her hair before pulling her bodice bodice I guess it's like a like a skirt of some kind down to expose her breasts. She slipped out of the dress and let it fall into a heap at her feet. Wearing only her panties, she bent over, picked it up, and folded it neatly and laid it down on the corner of the rug. That's the dress. Her partner, meanwhile, had quickly pulled off his jeans hopping around on one leg and then stepped out of his underpants. Roop zeroed in on his crutch and satisfied himself that a guy was ready to perform just as a girl took a step towards him. Wait, what? Let's see. (laughs) Uh, Roop zeroed in on his crutch and satisfied himself. Does that mean what I think it means? that the guy was ready to perform just as the girl took a, tep- a step towards him and put her arms around his chest. Roop saw with barely controllable excitement that he was slipping his hand down the inside of her pants, exposing her bare buttocks to his view. Down her inside of her pants, I mean her panties. Gradually, he pulled her pants down until they were around her knees and bent his head to begin kissing her breasts. Just at that crucial moment for both the couple and Roop, Charlie dragged himself out of the pursuit car. Hey, Roop. I just feel like I just feel like he's Australian in the moment. Charlie called out to him. Roop, we gotta get we got a big run on our hands. <laughs> Roop tried to ignore him, but the sound already carried through the warm morning air and across the valley to the couple who turned trying to discover what a, where it had come from. Both Charlie and the cop car were hidden from the sight by a fold in the land. Getting no answer, Charlie began again. Come on, Roop. Stop fooling, will ya? This sounds serious. Roop swore to himself and cursed the day he had ever chosen to drive Tango with Charlie. He wished that Charlie would shut up and that the couple would renew their lovemaking. Any hope of that was shattered in the next few seconds. When Charlie set off the yip, 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 yip of the police siren, the couple already wary needed no more encouragement. They scrambled to pick up their clothes and dashed back up the hill to their car, pausing occasionally as though trying to work out what was going on in frustration. Roop aimed the rifle at the sky and set off two shots towards the heaven before jogging back to the pursuit car. Charlie had already gunned down the motor and opened the passenger side door, but Roop, swinging his rifle at his side by the trigger guard, walked around to the driver's side. Charlie was holding the radio mic to his mouth, talking to March Hare. Now, March Hare and the other dude, March Hare and his partner, are the third team, and they eat it big in the opening of Mad Max. That's March Hare, uh, the code name for the pursuit vehicle trailing the Night Rider. March Hare. Marchair, how far? Wait, is that Roop saying that? Marchair, how far off the intersection of Anarchy Road? Wait, Anarchy? Of Anarchy Road in the Transcon are you? About 40 minutes, traveling very fast. Can you make an attempt at an intercept? It'll be close, Marchair. We're moving out now. Roop began to open the driver's door. Of course we're going to make it. Now move over and let me drive. Oh, no, not this again, Charlie said with a wine rasp at the edge of his voice. I've been assigned, Rupe. You know that. I've been ordered to drive. We'll both get busted for it. The order said that you can't drive under any circumstances except if I'm in incapacitated. Rupe grabbed Charlie's shoulder through the now open door and pushing his face close to Charlie, he said... You'll be incapacitated to say nothing of seriously injured if you do not get your arse across the seat. See, in my mind, Roop has the American voice and Charlie still has his Australian voice. I don't know. Just then the voice of the March Hare stopped them both. We got to nail this, Hoon. He's creating heavy damage. Just been informed on the other channel that the cop he smashed up... Wait just been informed on the other channel that the cop he smashed up to get the car has died. How much longer will you be that? Yeah. Root pulled all his weight against Charlie's shoulder and shoved him bodily onto the center council while grabbing the mic out of his hand Two 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 and a half minutes. Maybe we'll nail him. Root was behind the wheel, engaging the engine and spinning the tires before Charlie could settle himself in the passenger seat. His door was swinging widely as Roop fishtailed the car up on the road punishing the engine and threatening to blow the pistons through the bonnet. Charlie grabbed hold of the door hurled in closed and turned hurled it closed and turned to Roop. There'll be shit to pay for this. It's not just you that'll end up patrolling some tenement city, it'll be me too. Jesus H. Christ and St. Alfonso into the bargain. Will you shut up and start checking the hardware? This call, this could call for some help from the cop's best friend. Cut it out, Roop. You know I don't like the Lord's name being taken in vain. I'm, I'm dropping the Australian accent. Roop had long and tedious experience of what he considered to be his partner's strange religious beliefs, mimicked Charlie's reply to a T. Cut it out, will ya? Oh, cut it out, will you? Charlie whined. And for God's sake, watch where you're going. Roop, tramping hard on the accelerator, hit a nasty ditch on the road at better than 100 miles an hour. And it was more through luck than any driving ability that they'd managed to stay on the the, the bitumen. Never heard of that before. Bitumen, what that, I guess it's part of the road or something. But to Roop's credit, or perhaps as a testament to his foolishness, he didn't lift up. And he didn't lift his foot off the pedal. He didn't lift his foot off the pedal. He kept the pursuit car ba- barreling down the road, kicking up a huge storm of dust behind, heading for the intersection with Transcon 1. Charlie took the mic off the stand on the dashboard. Mark Hare, what state are you in? Burning a lot of oil, overheating badly. We're about 20 yards behind him. It's a ton, it's a ton up at the moment. about a minute about a minute and a half from the intersection. What's his form, Mark Hare? Oh, a real sweetheart. Went berserk in Sun City about 18 hours ago, but the uppers are keeping him fresh as a daisy. He's rammed us once. We've been with him about eight hours, and we're pretty smashed up around the front fender. Got a nice gash down the passenger side too. That'll prove what those so-called panel beaters at HQ Th- that will prove whether those so-called panel beaters at HQ are as good as they say they are. You see our friend close-up, hair Sure, we got alongside him a few hours back, but his lady friend put the nose of a rifle out the window, and that was that. He's a real orangutan. You know, the big run down Damnation Valley, all hopped up, crazy eyes, terminal psychotic. You guys going to make it? You guys going to make it? This rig ain't going to last much longer. Roop called across the car of course we're gonna make it you just sit tight as Charlie clicked off the mic he muttered almost to himself it's gonna be close Roop real close shut up will ya, Roop commanded as Charlie caught the first sight of Transcon 1 off to the right the direction from which the Night Rider and the car on his tail would come almost immediately he began yelling there they are coming around the curve hell look at that smoke mock hair is going to blow up march hair is going to blow up Roop gave it everything he could much as he would have liked to steal a glance at the road he dare not take his eyes off the dirt he was burning up beneath the tires the two police cars looked like they were locked together and charlie sat fastened for a second sat fascinated for a second come on Roop, rip the guts out of her come on hot shot Charlie went over Charlie leant over the back seat and pulled a short barreled pump action shotgun out of a vinyl case, all loaded up and ready to go. Yeehaw March hair here. We're half a mile off our Anarchy road intersection. Can you see us? We got you, Mark hair. It's Mar. It's mock hair. I thought it was mock hair. It says March hair, although I guess March hair makes sense because Allison wanted We got you, March hair. Meet you there. As Charlie returned the mic to its rest, the CB radio cackled, crackled to life. This is the Night Rider, and I'd just like to welcome you all aboard. Hoo Born with the steering wheel in his hand and an accelerator strapped to his boot. The night rider's gonna show you all about the big run. I'm just a gliding at the speed of fright, and I ain't coming back. <laughs> There was a high-pitched cackle when Charlie and Roop assumed was a laugh, and then the radio went dead. Oh, come on, Roop, come on. I want to waste this tin-arsed fluky. The Knight Rider's voice boomed out once more just as Roop and Charlie hurled across the intersection. In a mock sports commentary style, he began, The kid slaps into second, skids momentarily, straightens her up, puts her in flat to the boards again. His head's in heaven. He bobs. He weaves. He feints. He ducks. The law. The game's heating up again. But there ain't no match for the night rider. At that moment, the night rider with the march hair, hard on his exhaust, and the pursuit car manned by Charlie and Rube converged on the intersection at better than one hundred miles an hour. At that sort of speed, the time to make a decision is gone before a person even realizes he has to make one. Wow, that's ain't that the truth? It all, it all just came down to reaction, and Roop's reaction was to break hard and swing his wheel hard to the right to take the Knight Rider head-on. Charlie, completely unprepared for the maneuver, was thrown hard up against the passenger door, losing his grip on the shotgun and smacking his shoulder into the window pillar. Quickly, he tried to recover, swearing as he pulled the, short, the short-barreled shotgun up from between his legs, squirmed his body round to get a line of fire down the side of the car. The Knight Rider was relying on nothing more than their reactions either. He swung his wheel to the left as Roop hurtled at an angle out of the intersection and then straightened up just enough to sideswipe the cop car. In the moment before the collision, Charlie managed to get off one wild shot, but the full impact of the blast was absorbed by the front fender and grill of the Knight Rider's vehicle. The sound of tearing metal was a kind of overture for what happened in the next few heart-stopping moments. By nothing more than a quirk of luck, the force of the impact threw Roop to the left, taking the steering wheel in that direction and sending the car away from the Knight Rider across two lanes over an embarkment through a signpost and out of control up a slight grade. March Hare was in much more trouble. The cop behind the wheel found himself hard on the tail of the Knight Rider, who, because of the impact, had his speed dramatically reduced. To avoid ramming the Knight Rider at more than a ton, the cop began to throw his car to the right, only to find Roop coming straight for him. In an amazing feat of driving, he crashed his foot onto the brake pedal and threw the car the other way, using the momentum of the skid to graze past Roop's terrifying face. Luckily, the Knight Rider seized his advantage, hammered his foot onto the accelerator, and gave enough clearance for March Hare's car to miss his rear. March Hare managed to straighten up before running off the road and began to limp off yet again in pursuit. Roop and Charlie's car had come to rest in a blaze of dust by the time the March Hare could pick up his mic. You okay? Silence. You guys okay in there? Finally, the tired voice of Roop crackled across the increasing distance. Yeah, we're okay. Just keep going for Christ's sake. We're going, we're going, came the reply. Roop clambered out of the car, piling abuse on Charlie, cursing the first day that he had ever seen him you could have blasted him from here to eternity blockhead but oh no 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 not our charlie too damn scared hands shaking too darn too damn much charlie had moved into the driver's seat trying to kick the engine over as roop walked around to the front of the car and in a frenzy of frustration ripped the mangled bonnet off its remaining hinge and threw it onto the road our one damn chance to hit him and you buggered up and you buggered it up our one damn chance he yelled across the countryside the knight rider's taunting voice stopped his tirade mad bad and rancid can you see me now toe cutter did you see it toe cutter you would have loved it man tell me you saw it in your dreams toe cutter tell me you saw the knight rider the heavy cruiser the true hallucinator duck and weave and faint and swerve and leave the bronze in the dust Root let out an anguished yell before the Knight Rider started up again. Well, we've got one cripple on our tail and one dead in the dust. Is that the best? Oh, sorry. Well, we got one cripple on our tail and one dead in the dust. Is that the best you could do, Bronze? Very dull. We're in danger of dying from boredom out here, Bronze. What must Mad Max be thinking, fellas? So I guess Knight Rider knows who Mad Max is, according to this. This is weird. Uh, chapter 4, 60 miles away in the direction the Night Rider was hurtling, Mad Max was thinking that most cops on the road deserved to die. He had heard what happened during Charlie and Roop's bold but foolhardy attempt at a smash-and-grab capture of the Knight Rider. Another couple of hoon cops, he thought, with as much lead in their heads as they have in their feet. Although he hadn't witnessed what had happened, he had had enough experience on the Transcon one to picture it with absolute clarity in his mind's eye. And he'd known as soon as he had heard the chatter about the rendezvous at the intersection of Anarchy road, that their primitive plan was doomed. The trouble was he decided a long time ago that most of the young lairs behind the wheels of police cars thought in terms of crash bang wallop instead of trying to outwit their prey. And now while the night rider and his girl sped to meet him, Max began to add the bits and pieces to the police uniform, which he casually been pulling on during Charlie and Roop's little piece of excitement. All that, all the time he'd been planning how he would go about nailing the guy while Max's brain was ticking over, carefully slotting together all the intricate pieces of information, knowledge, and experience he'd need to make sure that he forced the night Rider into the first mistake. Charlie had succeeded in restarting the motor of the cop car. I think we're still mobile Roop. for Christ's sakes. Look at it. Will you, you think we're still mobile? He said with a hint of mimicry creeping back into his voice. Roop walked up to the driver's door. Go on, shove over for God's sakes. You're blaspheming again. I don't work with a blasphemer. See that lines in the movie, but we don't know that he's religious. They see, there just gets so much more. There's so much more in the story when you read the novelization. God, the book really, the book, they always say the book is better than the movie. I don't know if you could say that in this case, but the book is great. You're blaspheming again. I don't like to work with a blasphemer. Charlie whined as he lifted himself across the console between the two seats. Roop turned to Charlie with a bottled-up fury written clearly across his face and grabbed him by the front of his shirt. Shut up, Charlie, shut up, or I'll just damn well waste you before we go another yard. Charlie realized that Roop was almost beside himself and that another careless word could well tip him over the edge. He looked straight at Roop, and with all the self-possession he could muster, and with a surprisingly calm note in his voice, he said, Okay, partner, okay, let's go get him, and we'll talk about it later. Roope let go of Charlie's shirt and almost simultaneously trampled his foot on the exce- tramped his foot on the accelerator, fishtailing the car over the dirt and the rubble, barely harnessing the wild horses he'd unleashed in the time to do a U-turn and blast off in pursuit of the night rider. They were scarcely on the highway before Roope, his face grim and hands clenched white on the wheel, turned to Charlie and told him to reload the shotgun. While Charlie was leaning over the backseat to recover the weapon and, and ammunition, Root pulled the mic off its stand and called into March Hare. We're still in the game, March Hare. We're still, I, I remember this line from the movie too. We're still in the game, March Hare. We're going to pass. We're going to go collect our trophies. Understand this that crazy and his slut are going to die. Roop had barely replaced the mic before the, mani- the manic voice of their quarry was cackling across the airwaves. Oh, Bronze, I'm ready. I'm ready for you and all your kind. I just gotta say how mighty pleased I am at last that you're treating me with the respect which is my due. I am the night Rider, and I'm on the biggest of the big runs. Root threatened to force the accelerator panel through the floorboards as he tried to extract every last ounce of power out of their battered machine. But the Knight Rider hadn't finished. I'm a fuel-injected suicide machine, he sang to the cops. I'm a rocker, I'm a roller, I'm an out-of-controller, I ain't never coming back. There was no word from the March Hare. His silence suddenly became oppressive. Roop was only just this side of being demented with hate and humiliation. Finally, Charlie tried to ease the atmosphere in the car. Wonder what he'll be like when he reaches puberty. Wonder what he will be like when he reaches puberty. Roop did because because the nightmare is supposed to be like 18 years, 19 years old. I mean, but he doesn't look like that in the movie at all. Roop didn't take his eyes off the road. Believe me, that ain't going to be a problem for him, he said in a hard, flat voice. Encouraged by the response, Charlie decided to raise a point which had only just occurred to him. Where the hell's Jim Goose and the sc- and that scooter of his? Call him then. Don't ask me. I'm not psychic. Roop snapped. Big bopper to Gosling One, Charlie called onto the microphone. After Right, they're the big bopper. Uh, after a few seconds, he repeated the message. Big bopper to Gosling One. Although Charlie didn't know it, the exercise was pretty pointless. 20 miles down the road in a dusty hamlet, straggling along the edge of the transcon, Jim Goose was hoeing in breakfast of candy bars and thick shakes at one of his favorite haunts, Fat Nancy's Roadside Diner. His superbike was parked out in front, gleaming in the early morning sun, its quadruple exhausts taking on the glint of gunmetal, its high-powered radio playing out the drama all to itself. Where the hell is he? Charlie asked, barely expecting to get an answer as he called again. Well, you got one of four choices. Belly, belly, bladder, bowels, or balls, Rube said. Well, you got one of four choices. Belly, bladder, bowels, or balls, Rube said. Whichever one, I don't think Jim the Goose is going to help us now. That's great. Another fifty miles, and he's home with a perfect score, and we'll end up wielding night six night sticks in, in some damn ghetto. Now, now, Charlie, no blaspheming. We'll waste this turkey by ourselves if we have to. So, like, so like this world, it's like a dy- it's dystopian. It's like not it's not the apocalypse yet. It's a dystopian future. Um where civilization is just hanging by a thread as we talked about in the last in the last one i'm just trying to recontextualize what i'm visualizing i got to say with the writing I, maybe it's because i've seen the movie millions of times like i can visualize this so well in my head i just i have a, such a crystal it's like watching the movie in such a different way and i'm loving it i'm absolutely loving it at that moment roop caught sight several miles ahead of the two police cars pounding along one of many straits to the transcon on the transcon one the night rider was about a half a mile ahead, but he wasn't gaining on the march Hare immediately. even rope's uneducated bra- Ro's uneducated brain managed to assess that the night rider's machine was damaged was damaged if they could see him now, it meant that he had to be gaining on him. And that meant that if there were enough distance between their position and the border, they'd have to be able to overhaul him. Oh, God, he thought, if only I could drive and handle the artillery. The Knight Rider glancing in his rear view. See, we don't get that in the movie at all. So so the, the Knight Rider's car is damaged. Mar- March Hare is picking up speed against the Knight Rider. And uh, the, the, the stakes the stakes are high. The night Rider, glancing in his rear, rear vision mirror to check out March Hare, caught sight of his new pursuer. <coughs> 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 caught sight of his new pursuer. His girl waited until he fixed his eyes on the road again and then dropped a couple of small blue tablets into a lemonade bottle and handed it to him. The Knight Rider took a long swig out of the bottle, letting the liquid cool his mouth and the drugs fire his brain. As they entered the bloodstream and then his head, he snapped the microphone off the hook and renewed his taunting. We got company again. Glad to see you make it, bronze. Thought your bad driving might have wasted you. I always like another chance. The whole damn force is no match for the Knight Rider, the heavy player. Root began to ride the car and through his urging had nothing to do with the performance of the monstrous engine out, out, out front of him. He could tell now that he was overhauling both March Hare and the night rider. Charlie too could see that in another 10 minutes or so, they would have replaced the March Hare in the slot behind the Knight Rider. And without realizing it, he began to weigh the pump action shotgun into his hands. He knew that he'd have to hit the bullseye this time. As bopped up as he was, the Knight Rider also knew that Roop was doing better than anyone could have imagined when less than 15 minutes before it looked like his car had been written off. And although the cops didn't know it, the Knight Rider was having real problems. The collision had caused some minor problems. But in these circumstances, critical, crucial, critical damage to his vehicle, he could no longer get the blast of power, which so far had allowed him to elude capture. Like Roop, he was urging the car forward, gently straining against the racing harness, binding his chest chest, and pressing his thumbs hard into the rim of the steering wheel. The extra effort achieved nothing. Steadily, Roop was eating up the distance, which lay between them. And with a whoop of excitement from Charlie, Roop eased their unit out into the next lane, air horns and sirens blaring. He overtook March Hare and began to chip away at the last half mile, which separated them from the Night Rider thumping Jesus. I think I could take him. Roop chuckled. Charlie was so caught up with the chase that he didn't even notice that his partner was blaspheming again. He's got a lot of cubes in that thing, Roop. I'll take him. I'll take him and melt them, Roop yelled. The Knight Rider was now dividing his attention between the road thundering beneath his tires and his rear, view, rear vision mirror. I want to say rear view. That's what we say in America. A slow grin began to break across his face, and he, as he saw the expressions of the two cops through their windshield, Oh, honey, the bronze are trying. They're trying with all their might. Only the toe cutter and the night Rider can deal with this. Behind them, the two cops were trying to stay calm enough to make sure that they didn't squander the opportunity. Now let's do this right, Charlie. Wait till I get alongside. Charlie lifted the shotgun and wound down his window. I'll go for the girl. Forget the damn girl. And forget about going for the rubber. Go for the man. Just keep your head just keep your head and wait until you see his neck in your sights and let him have it with that amount of lead spraying around. You're sure to take him out. Okay. Okay. Just get us there. Charlie said, laying the gun three quarters out of the window. The night rider was barely taking his eyes off the cop car behind. If he were going to have a chance, his timing would have to be perfect. He knew that this time round, they try and guarantee themselves success. They almost certainly used their superior power to get alongside before letting, letting fly was with, with the sharpener, with the shrapnel. His mind was working at fever pitch, watching, calculating the cop car was breathing down his exhaust. He saw its wheels began, begin to swing out for a second he urged whatever reserve power there was out of his straining engine, immediately eased off his foot. (laughs) For a second, he urged whatever reserve power there was out of his straining engine, immediately eased his foot off the accelerator and got his other foot poised on the brake pedal. and Charlie were so intent on bringing their vehicle alongside that they didn't realize what their quarry had done. Suddenly they were much farther alongside the night rider than they had anticipated and when picking his moment with all the cunning and experience he could muster he jammed his foot on the brake they were past his window and before they had time to think about it That in itself would not have been enough to throw Charlie off his mark. But as the Knight Rider hit the brakes, he combined the momentum of the thrashing, protesting car with a violent jerk of the wheel towards the cop car. It went like clockwork. The fraction of a second when Charlie lost due to the changed comparative speeds, the violence of the braking and the shock of the the collision conspired to deprive him of his chance. His first blast peppered the bonnet of the Knight Rider's car and several pellets lodged in the curved laminated windshield, but the damage to the occupants wasn't fatal. Tiny pieces of glass lodged in the girl's face. There wasn't even time to let a second shell, let go a second shell because and Charlie had already straddled the median strip, veered across six lanes and hit the shrub at close to 100 miles an hour. By a superhuman effort, using all his talent as a driver, he kept control of the car as it flattened the small bushes and kicked up a whirlwind of dust. He controlled his impulse to hit the brakes with every pound of his strength and slowing down and slowing down, concentrated his efforts on a steering on steering a sweeping curve through the rubble and getting back onto the asphalt. He hit the highway again at more than 60 miles an hour on the wrong side of the road with black smoke belching out of his engine. As he slowed to renegotiate the median strip, the night Rider let them know his opinion. Go with the craziness of it, Bronze. It's only It's the only fun you'll get. Not a word passed between Charlie and Rupe. Both knew that they had been outwitted, that they had both been at fault. The Knight Rider was more than a match for them. Silently, they fell in behind the March Hare and through their quarry was less than a mile in front of them. And though their quarry was less than a mile in front of them, the four cops knew that their only hope of overhauling him was if his vehicle blew up or if mad max stopped him we're gonna put a pin in it there okay at chapter five now what's interesting about this book that we're at pay so we're on page 31 right we're on page 31 and hold on, i'm curious how many pages is in this book this book it's a 200 pages okay all right, that makes more sense i'm thinking about it because it's a hundred it's a hundred images 200 pages on a 100 images that's what it is because i'm sitting here and i'm going i'm going my god is like a fifth of the book the f- we've read through a fifth of the pages or 20 percent of the pages i'm like this is the opening scene what's going on here that doesn't make any sense so all right so we'll return again with chapter five i hope you're enjoying this um I love reading these novelizations, man. We need to get our hands on the Waterworld novelization. That's something I want to check out. Uh, Riotstickers.com is the sponsor of this channel. We're running a special promotion. Get a 1,000 stickers for $79. That's 7 cents per sticker. Link down in the description for this wonderful deal. These stickers are uh have a uv protection on them uv coating protection that protects them from the sun so they don't bleach out they're printed on vinyl which makes them fairly waterproof and they last for a long time outside so don't be foolish check out riotstickers.com, riotstickers.com backslash from us for a thousand stickers for 79 dollars link down below in the description we will see you next time with chapter five of mad max let's play it out with our riot stickers video with the with the song by the guy from less than jake peace hair grease thank you for joining me